Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season two. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show. Thanks for listening! Now, on to the episode. Season 2, Episode 20, Go Fish! Are you ready, Steph, to review the best episode of season two? I I was born ready. (laughs) Good. Well, you're going to have to wait until next week or the week after. But for now, let's review Go Fish. Let's get through Go Fish so we can get to the uh, season finale, part one and two. Uh, This episode is, in a way, trash. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I I found this episode as a one-off Monster of the Week episode, very typical, but there were so many things in it that are shocking and made me really think hard about why this is in here at all and why this episode is the third last episode of season two when it kind of feels like it should have been right at the beginning of season two along with Inca Mummy Girl and Reptile Boy on those kind of episodes. That's a really good way of putting it. I agree with you on on a lot of those points. I think that this is not as bad as I remember it being in terms of the story structure and the, the nature of the plot and the conflict. I think I had told myself that this episode was just terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's It's actually an okay episode. But I found that there was a lot of gratuitous inclusion of, like you were saying, story elements that are super serious, right? Like there's the specter of sexual assault and there's, you know, the whole doping thing. And (laughs) why? Like, yeah, the murder of a nurse. Like, it's just this episode is very dark, but not in the ways that Buffy is usually dark. Yeah, I totally understand if people would skip this episode. It's not adding Mm -hmm. anything to the season arc, which is another reason why I think it belongs at the beginning of the season and not right here, right now. I will say, though, I do like a good fish joke. And there are a lot of them in this episode. (laughs) Lots of puns. And I do appreciate them. (laughs) Okay, well, also, Xander's not terrible in this episode. Yeah, and that's another reason why I would say this episode's trash, because I can't trash <laughs> Xander. <laughs> you heard it here first. You could you could clip this, listeners, and put it on your TikToks that Steph has a, an opportunity not to hate on Xander here. And we'll work a little bit. Of, I'm sure we can work a little bit of Xander slander in here somewhere. We'll find a way. We are very determined. Oh, it's in there. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, But yeah, like, this is an episode that does showcase some of Xander's more positive qualities, and we will talk about that. But I think more importantly, this episode has a lot of, like, interesting Xander-Cordelia relationship stuff to it. It actually has the funniest joke that I've heard so far on the series. Like, there's a scene in here that had me rolling on the ground laughing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. 
we open on a beach party, <laughs> like a party on the beach in Sunnydale. Remember we we talked about this in Surprise when we, we went to the docks and we were like, they're by the water. Well, clearly Sunnydale is because all the students can just go party on a Thursday night on the beach. And so strange that our Scoobies are at this party because their Scoobies are not the kind of people that would go to a high school party like this. Oh, I guess they are, but and it's usually at the bronze. But a victory party for the school does not seem like their kind of style. So it's kind of weird to already see them in this kind of social situation. Mm-hmm. Either way, they're there. It's weird. Willow, Xander, and Cordelia are standing by a bonfire, and Xander is commenting on the victory party at the beach. Cordelia says that the swim team was victorious, and Xander says that he's jealous of these guys because apparently they were all a bunch of nobodies until recently when the team started winning, and now they're the kings of high school. And Cordelia reveals that she's still on the cheerleading squad, which surprised me because I thought she had given that all up to be with Xander, but I guess not. She's still cheerleading and she says they wasted a lot of pep on losers and it's about time the school excelled at something (laughs) once again cordelia just telling it how it is yeah i love it and willow says you're forgetting our high mortality rate and xander says we're number one we're number one and i was like that's dark you guys that's really dark only Kara and i can comment on how many students die in sunnydale So, like, even stranger than all of these characters being at this beach party, Buffy is not even standing with her friends. She's sitting by herself, staring out at the ocean, being sad, because Buffy's in a sad place. Since, remember last time we saw her, she had just been controlled by a murderous ghost who made her make out with her ex-boyfriend, Angel. So, she's going through it right now. Get over it, Buffy. Come on. (laughs) Buffy, move on. That was like last week. Come on. So a Mitch approaches her and starts trying to impress her by talking about the ocean in like a poetic way. (laughs) This is the second episode in a row in which a Mitch has approached Buffy at the beginning of the episode. Is she giving off just like desperation vibes? Like are these guys picking up on she's single and she's not ready to mingle, but you should try anyway. (laughs) Mitches can smell the vulnerability. (laughs) And they cannot pull themselves away. But at least last week, Ben, I believe his name was, was a little bit more authentic, being like, we had a class together, ask me to the dance. Like, you know, it's not a 10 out of 10, but it's better than what this guy is doing. Yeah, like Ben was actually trying, whereas this guy, I think, is, he's just so full of himself. Like, he's clearly obsessed with swimming. And we will get more of that in in a later scene. But yeah, like, he's not even really complimenting Buffy that much he's making it sound because they have this little exchange when she's like fake interviewing she's like so Cameron Walker you've just won you know this swim meet uh what are you going to do next and he says I think I'm going to spend some time with Buffy Summers but (laughs) he makes it sound like him doing that is him doing her a favor yeah yeah yeah. but the thing is so so yeah he says that he was saying a bunch of stuff like the ocean is beautiful eternal our true mother giving birth to new life, like like shit like that, right? And then he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to die. Then he acts like he's doing Buffy a favor by giving her the time of day. But what annoys me is that Buffy seems like she's into it. And <laughs> I'm just like, Buffy, no, no. Because she just, she responds, right? And she like kind of leans into it and like smiles. And I don't know if this is also to like kind of show, you know, last week she was very quick to blow Ben off. So perhaps, you know, after the whole 
forgiveness aspect of last episode maybe it's trying to show that she's a little bit more open to it now like she's starting to slightly move on except i honestly prefer buffy with these creature of the night older boyfriends that are vampires than i do with a human man because the men that she expresses interest in in this show are it's alarming <laughs> the, the pretentious douchebags well, that she gives her time to but isn't that all like almost all teenage boys in high school I think there is some truth to the idea that in some ways, not in every way, but in some ways, you know, women tend to mature emotionally faster than boys at that age. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it makes sense that women who are attracted to men at that age will look at these older guys and be attracted to them, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got these guys like Xander and Mitch's who are still like sticking straws up their nose, right? And you're like, I am ready to move Mm -hmm. past that. And these guys aren't. So it's, you know, it's the psychological equivalent of how guys tend to shoot up in height after the girls do, right? Like the girls are all tall and the guys are short. And then sometime around 8th, ninth grade, it reverses, right? And it's like, in this case, the guys get their emotional maturity a little (laughs) bit later, sometimes never, depending on how (laughs) deeply the patriarchy sinks its teeth into them. Uh, Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, that's a really good way of looking at it, for sure. Because, I mean, think about it. Like, Owen in season one, Tom the frat boy from episode five of season two. And now this guy, Cameron Walker, like these are the guys that Buffy is like giving her attention to, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I leave Ben out because she didn't, you know, she didn't even give him the chance, but this guy, she tends to be talking to and asking him questions back. So you're right. Like, obviously there's something about the way they're talking and they talk in a more mature way and it's all lines. Right. But at the same time, Buffy's into it so that that explains that so I'll I'll let you off the hook Buffy but I was feeling pretty questionable toward your choice in men human men not not vampire men (laughs) so Jonathan the little guy is being murdered by the swim team (laughs) nearby who are holding his head in the cooler of water and Buffy goes and saves him and she makes fun of, uh, of one of the guy's tattoos that's holding him underwater and oh my god one of these boys is Wentworth Miller from Prison Break. So hot. Have you? Do you know? I don't know who that is. Oh, he this is a tasty treat, this one. So he, anyway, him and the other guy go to leave. Jonathan gets really mad at Buffy for saving his life. And he's just like, mind your own business. I can do this without your help and walks away. And I was like, that's really wow, Jonathan. Really, really jerky of you. The swimmer jock and Wentworth Miller are walking down the beach And the swimmer jock with the tattoo is complaining about Buffy and saying that Buffy gives him the creeps. And that's when all of a sudden he like smells something and stops walking. And Wentworth Miller is like, dude, where's that foulness? (laughs) Because he's a jock. But he keeps walking, doesn't notice that his friend all of a sudden goes missing. And as Wentworth Miller walks toward the party again or whatever, we pan over this disgusting pile of skin, steaming skin. It's so gross. And the skin has the tattoo on it. So we know that the swimmer guy was skinned. And then you see, okay, this was funny. You see this like creature mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like raptor style walk into the sewer drain, cut to credits. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, right, like 
I'll just remind our listeners, especially those who haven't watched the episode, you maybe don't want to watch the episode. Like, there's some serious body horror stuff going on here. Mm -hmm. It's squicky. Like, uh, even later on in the episode, it gets worse. And I just did not enjoy this aspect of the episode. Yeah, it it is really gross. And we see it again. This is not the last time. (sighs) So... Willow is teaching her computer class like, still. I have so many thoughts about this scene. Oh, and she's dripping in power. Remember? Okay, like I've been making a case about Willow having lust for power, might we say. I just say like when she is in control and when she is able to demonstrate something that she's really good at, she's like all for it. So when she's watching her fellow classmates doing whatever computer activity that they're up to, She's walking around being like, good, and like, good job. And she's really into it. It's cute, and it's very Willow. But I just can't help it, like, how much she's enjoying teaching in this way, you know? That's when Willow notices that Wentworth Miller, who's in her class, is playing solitaire. And she calls him Gage, but I'm just going to call him Wentworth Miller. And I mean, uh, they're both very unusual names, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it really doesn't matter. We'll probably interchange them. But just be aware. When we say Wentworth or Gage, we're talking about this jockey jock guy. So he gives her attitude and then class ends and he leaves and on his way out, Snyder comes in. He says he's having trouble finding a competent teacher this late in the term and he's asking Willow to keep subbing through finals for all her classmates. And Willow is really excited about this because like I said, Willow loves being in charge and she likes teaching. Okay. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if this is all about Willow power tripping. I think you're being a little bit unfair, Stephanie. I don't think I, think I this am. Is, this is Willow's joy of learning, and she loves spreading that knowledge to other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as I can back up what I'm saying, like, I feel, I honestly feel like Willow, who's very mousy when we first meet her in season one, whenever she gets a chance to be in charge or have the ability to show off something that she's good at, especially something Uh that she's better at than other people. She's gung-ho. She's like, I'm going to do it, and I love it. So that's just this one woman's opinion, you know what I'm saying? Uh, But you could also attribute it to her love of teaching and wanting to share knowledge, like you said. Snyder says that Will's a team player, and team players want everyone on the team to succeed and pass. And he brings up that there's a problem with Gage, a.k.a. Wentworth Miller, and Willow says that he has a behavior problem, he won't do his homework, and he doesn't show up for the tests. And Snyder basically <laughs> says that, you know, the school is on the brink of winning their first state championship in 15 years, and Willow cannot fail the student that's going to bring them this championship. And he wants her to cut him some slack because he's a champion. And Willow... <laughs> asks if you know are you saying you want me to change his grade and Snyder's like I never said that I'm not you know I didn't say that for the record but he's suggesting that she recheck her figures and find a grade that's more fitting to an athlete of Gage's stature Mm -hmm. so two things here one I was thinking that you know either Snyder is having a hard time finding a teacher to replace Miss Callender because all the teachers are now aware that if you go and teach at Sunnydale High, you will die and no one's applying for the job. Very likely. But on the other hand, I'm like, I wonder if Snyder's purposefully not looking for another teacher because with Willow in charge, it's easier for him to manipulate this so that the athlete students can get better grades. Because it might be harder. It would have been harder for him to do this to Jenny. But doing it to a student like Willow might be easier for him to suggest that she let him pass 
for free. I'm with you. So I have so many problems and so many questions about this scene. First, how many periods of computer class is Willow teaching? Be right? Because normally a teacher would teach various classes all day with maybe a prep period. So is Willow going to her other classes? Like, what's going on here? Is she teaching one period of computer class and all the students are just in that one period? If so, was Miss Callender just a part-time teacher? Or is Willow teaching a full load of, like, three or four computer classes in a day and then, like, doing her other classes as extra... Like, just none of the logistics <laughs> make sense here. Make it make sense. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> Secondly, I could believe Willow stepping in for a couple of days. It's still probably not legal, but I can believe it for this TV show. But having a student and a minor in charge of a school classroom for the rest of the term, uh, like the ethics of Snyder asking a teacher whether he says he is or not, pressuring a teacher yeah. to cut some slack for a swim team member, those are pretty obviously, this is cut and dry, this is bad, right? But it's just like, what is going on here with yeah. Willow being this teacher? She's not qualified. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. For those of you who are due to the podcast, I am also a teacher. So I'm always just like super sensitive to teacher and school stuff. <laughs> and I know that this is just a TV show, but I'm just like, what is going on? This is not just a TV show. This is so much more than that. And oh. you're absolutely right. Willow should not be in charge of all these students for this long of a time. Well, be, because we cut to the next scene and Willow is telling Xander and Cordelia about what's going on. Yeah. And you, this is the thing, right? Is This is why you don't want a 17-year-old in charge of, your, of a class because she's going to go and talk to her friends about stuff that's confidential. Yes. And for the love of God, Willow, look between your desk and the filing cabinet. There's something very important sitting <laughs> in there. Oh, a floppy no, disk. No, I, I, I never want to look between my desk and my filing cabinet. There's <laughs> horrors awaiting me, Steph. Uh, so <laughs> like you said, Willow is talking to Cordelia and Xander in the hallway and Xander is very affronted by the information about this, you know, cheating. And Cordelia says that uh, it's because he takes pride in being the voice of the common wuss. <laughs> but the truth is certain people are entitled to special privileges and they're called winners and that's how the world works. So we have a little bit of a debate here, right? Between Xander and Cordy. And Xander says, what about that notion that all men were created equal? And Cordelia says that was propaganda sprouted out by the ugly and less deserving. <laughs> And she makes reference to Abe Lincoln. She said that he had an ugly mole and a stupid hat. And Willow said, no, Jefferson said that. Cordelia says, well, he kept slaves, remember? And I just, I had to bring that up because I love that they were talking about it because I love American history. It's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and this also, once again, shows that Cordelia has a lot of intelligence. You know, mostly <laughs> her intelligence is emotional and she like stumbles upon intelligence yeah, as she, she goes. she just doesn't deploy her intelligence the same way that Willow and others <laughs> but, do. But like she knows her American history and I found that very impressive. So <laughs> Xander says, you know what grates my cheese? Buffy's not here to share my moral outrage about swim team perks. She's too busy being one of them. <sighs> Fuck you. I know we said we liked Xander's episode. This is the one line where I was like, hey, don't talk yeah. about your friend like she's just some perk to the popular men it's, in your it, school. It is. This is a really gross line, especially because of what happens in the next scene. Because exactly. 
what Xander is doing is he is reinforcing rape culture by objectifying his female friend and implying that A, like you just said, she is a perk, she's a thing to be had, but B, implying that she is doing this on purpose, right? She is selling herself, she is sexualizing herself. So Xander is just as much responsible, in my mind, for contributing to this atmosphere of rape culture at the school mm-hmm. as Cameron is in the next scene for what he does with Buffy, right? Like, yeah. even if you are not actually initiating an unwanted advance towards somebody, if you are using language that objectifies and dehumanizes and strips people of their agency, then you are still culpable in furthering rape culture. Yeah, it was really, really horrible that he said this about his friend. His friend, that's what it comes down to for me. It's like, Buffy's your friend. Buffy's your friend who's hurting and going through a lot this year. So for you to say that she's selling herself off to the highest bidder is really, really disrespectful. Puke on you, Xander. So oddly enough, Buffy is being driven to school by Cameron Walker and I don't like what like Willow's already taught a class. What time is it? Did Buffy skip school to like go to breakfast? I, with I this think guy? maybe it was lunch, right? Like I think. Oh, uh, okay, lunch. Yeah, they had had okay. Lunch together or something. Good thinking. Good thinking. You know me and timing with this show. Remember in Halloween where I was like, "This is weird. <laughs> it's one day." Like, what could anyway, Buffy is so clearly bored and hates her life because Cameron is still talking about the ocean that he was talking about the night before. So Buffy is trying her best to get out of it. And then, like, you know, she's like, okay, well, this was nice, but I'm, I'm so going to leave. And Cameron locks the door on her in his car and says, relax, I'm not going to hurt you. And Buffy's like, it's not me I'm worried about here, you know? My, my favorite line. I just, I fucking love, because Buffy's totally right. And this yeah. just, it always reminds me of the scene from the movie where a guy gropes her on the ass and she flips him over into a locker, right? Like, yeah. It's so true. Uh, People see Buffy and people see women sometimes as these fragile creatures that either need protection or that are vulnerable so that you can just take what you want, right? And this is not true. Um, Cameron should be scared of Buffy. Buffy is the predator here, but... Uh, that actually backfires on her. Well, this is the thing. So she, so he asks her if she's wearing a bra, and he's like, "I can tell you've been thinking about me since last night." Then he locks the door. Then he says, "I, I heard you like it rough," and then leans into her, and uh-huh. she grabs him by the arm and like twists his arm and like throws his head against the steering wheel and breaks his nose, and it's friggin' awesome. But unfortunately, Snyder has walked up just now to see that happen. So we go to the school nurse's room, nurse's station. (laughs) We'll just call it the nurse's office, Jeff. (laughs) Okay. I don't know how many schools have these things, but this, this Sunnydale High, they have this nurse's office. In this episode, we reveal that there's a giant pool that's really well maintained. (laughs) Right? I was going to bring that up. There's a steam room. There's like like another locker room, not not the dreaded locker room that we've come to know and love. There's like a new one. There's a locker room basement. <laughs> like it's so weird. Sunnydale's huge. So yeah. anyway, back to the unfortunate, very serious stuff here. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, uh, Snyder's here, and Buffy is saying that she's not the attacker. She was the one that was attacked, and Snyder doesn't believe her. And Cameron pipes up and says. First, she leads me on, and then she goes schizo on me. 
And <laughs> and Buffy said, when did I lead you on? And he says, come on, look at the way she dresses. Okay, this this writing, though, like, okay, I, I know, I see what they're doing, right? Like, this is Cameron slut-shaming Buffy, putting it, the onus on his behavior, on the way that she dresses, and she was the girl who tempted him. Like, I see what they're doing. It's just really obvious. Usually the writing on this stuff isn't this, like, they really want Cameron yeah. to represent the stereotype. Yes, I completely agree with you, and that's kind of what I was getting at the beginning when, when I'm like, some of the elements in this episode are just dark in ways that they aren't normally in Buffy and just weird and like why and yeah it's like where is this coming from why do we need this but you know what really bothers me about the way that this is portrayed and what this is doing right is and and and, and anybody who understands how rape culture works this is not going to be a surprise to you what I'm going to say but it's like going back to this idea of Buffy fighting back one of the first questions that people ask victims is well why didn't you fight back but this is the problem is that if you fight back and you're successful then you're the aggressor and you're the bad guy and it's suddenly your fault that you weren't raped and if you don't fight back then it was your fault for getting raped so there's no winning here mm -hmm. right and, and we see that in this scene we see that Buffy is alone she has no allies in that room. Nobody is interested in hearing her side of the story. Why is this scene in this episode? Are the writers trying to draw some kind of parallel between Buffy's powerlessness in this moment and her powerlessness to deal with Angelus? Like, I just... Because this is not an episode about sexual assault, right? So it's mm -mm. just like... Or, or is this just a scene that the writers are, are putting in here to demonstrate how vile high school life is in the late 90s, especially for girls? Like, yeah. that could be a two. But I just, I just don't understand. So what happened when I was watching this and now as we're talking about it is I'm getting angry, <laughs> but I feel like I'm getting angry for not for no good reason well because it's so unfocused it's like who can i be angry at in this situation more or like <sighs> what can i grab onto is this episode like you said supposed to be saying something very profound about sexual assault and the way that girls in high school like how it's a double standard or is it about steroids and like you know championship right, and, and athlete culture i don't know yeah even then like is if this scene is supposed to d demonstrate how Cameron and the coach and I guess Snyder and the nurse are awful people well that's even worse because rape and sexual assault or attempted sexual assault should not be used as a plot device and a characterization device but I don't know I don't know this is it's there just it is. let's let's ah. just chalk it up to saying that the system works in favor of white men like Cameron who are star athletes in mm -hmm. this school and they're going to lean toward his side of the story no matter what. Because like Cordelia yeah. says, there are winners and there are losers. And in this type of situation, the men are the winners. And girls like Buffy, who are just getting a nice lunch, like probably a free Subway sandwich, and then comes back and gets sexually assaulted at 11.30 a.m. in the morning, it's her fault. And how little has changed in the yeah. 20 years since this episode. And that has been our summary of Go Fish. <laughs> <laughs> the episode ends right here. We just turned it off. Yeah. Um, so the swim coach 
comes in. Snyder and the coach have a little confab about, well, how does Cameron's injury affect the swim team overall um, and their chances at the state championships? Because that's all that fucking matters is them winning this championship with this swim team that we've never heard about before in this (laughs) high school. The coach basically says, like, I need Cameron. He's my best swimmer since my previous swimmer who mysteriously died recently. Right? (laughs) Like, again, confidentiality here. And he he basically says to Cameron, go hit the steam room. And as you brought up earlier, Steph, Sunnydale has a steam room. That seems like a very specialized piece of equipment for a high yes. school to have. But yeah. he's like, it'll clear your sinuses. I'm not sure that's going to help you with a broken nose. <laughs> I feel like maybe you should go to a hospital. Like, why why are they just icing this? Why like I get going to the nurse first, but Cameron should probably be going for x-rays or something. I don't know. I don't know anything about noses. Maybe I'm way off base. But basically, we're getting like this super protective attitude from the coach. He gets all gruff with Buffy. He's like, and you, next time, don't dress so slutty. That's not exactly what he says, but that's basically what it is. It's means. what he's saying. <laughs> and, and you know, he is like he he's a gross looking white guy right like i don't want to be too down on people's appearances because that's ableist and fat phobic but he he looks like a dad who hasn't taken care of himself Mm -hmm. and you know the episode positions him as like the surrogate father for all of the swim team members yes so we're supposed to learn in this scene that he's really protective of his boys and you know, Buffy has threatened his boys. But again, it just it doesn't really work for me. I do love a good coach and team situation, usually in films. Uh, you know, I do love it when they're like, you know, you got to give it 110% and like, be all you can be, like those kind of things. But the fact that they introduce this guy at all, you're like, oh, he's either going to be a dead victim soon or he's the bad guy, right? Oh, he's totally like, this yeah. is the other thing about this episode is everything about this episode is obvious. There is no subtlety <laughs> in this episode. You know, and this is one of those things is you look at this coach and you're just like, yep, he did it. He's behind everything. It's Coach Carl. I forgot his last name. Coach. Carl the coach. So, um, Kate, but here's the thing. Here's here's another thing. We're talking about rape culture. We're we're talking about the way girls are treated in school versus the way guys are, the way non-athletes are treated, the way athletes are. Buffy is in the library bitching about what just happened to her, to Giles, Willow, and Xander, who are just staring at her like she's gossiping, like she's she's ranting for some reason can't she see that we're busy you guys buffy is telling you that she was sexually assaulted at lunchtime and then slut shamed by the faculty at this school and you guys should care you guys should care a lot more than you do but the way that they stare at her it's like they they they're just like shut up <laughs> like, yeah and, and and this is why i'm just so confused by how the episode includes these motifs because if this episode were trying to say something very serious and true about the problematic nature of the way that our society treats women and girls in high school and beyond and rape culture like this scene should have been so different everybody should have been concerned about Buffy and checking in with her and they should have been checking in with her for the rest of this episode so the fact that it's all just kind of brushed away really doesn't sit well with me yeah it's it's frustrating and um basically like when buffy notices that they don't care and then she's like well what are you guys doing and giles is like well thanks for taking an interest and i was like 
come on. <laughs> so, okay, whatever. We'll just deal with uh, the monster of the week and we won't, you know, talk at all about Buffy's trauma. But, okay. So tell us okay. about the monster of the week, staff. What's going on? So Dodd McAlvey is the name of the su- swimmer that got skinned the night before. He was eviscerated, they say. Nothing left but skin and cartilage. And Xander does make a good joke here where he's like, this was no boating accident. <laughs> Which I believe is a Jaws reference, I think. And um, basically something ripped this guy open and ate his insides, which is so fucking gross. Willow compares this to an Oreo cookie. (laughs) But without the chocolatey goodness, she says. But basically the faculty wants to keep everything quiet because they don't want to freak out the other swim team members. Because we've got a championship. Good job, Coach Carl. You're doing... You're doing a great job keeping this quiet. Yeah, I know. Definitely not talking about it in front of the slutty students of Sunnydale High. (laughs) So they're looking for a demon that eats humans, except not their skins. And Xander makes a joke here where he's like, but the skin's the best part. And Buffy says, any demons with high cholesterol? And okay, I like these jokes. I think they're they're funny and humorous and dark and mm-hmm. whatever. But I just feel like the vibe is off here. The, the, yeah. the usual pacing of the way they tell these jokes is off. And I don't know if it's because I'm off. Because I'm mad that they did not even bother to ask her, like, how are you feeling after Cameron took Mm -hmm. advantage of you and then you broke his nose? Maybe that's it. But I just think it's just they didn't have the usual back and forth dynamic. It just felt off for me. Yeah. I wonder if they had to cut down this scene or something to save on time. I know library scenes can often run a little long. To make more room for more sexual assault. (laughs) oh you know (laughs) so this is when we cut to the steam room the notorious steam room of sunnydale high that they must have built last week because the swim team's only been winning for two weeks now (laughs) cameron walker is in the steam room and someone's lurking around outside it's really unnecessary the scene actually because all it is is it's coach carl he just he's just like time to hit the showers (laughs) that's it well i i think maybe what they're trying to do is they're trying to show us they're trying to foreshadow that the steam has something to do with it because we see Cameron's very out of it and he doesn't really notice at first that it's the coach who's coming and we're Mm. kind of getting things from his perspective. It's showing us that the steam's having an effect, but it's maybe not the effect that we would expect. Yeah. So. Ooh, I also wonder if they're doing it to make it seem like a monster is outside. Right? Because later well, we'll be The monster is like, outside. Because like, the coach is the monster. <laughs> the coach is the monster. You're, really, you're so right. The coach already was the monster in the nightmare episodes. We're <laughs> sick of this. No, no, no. Uh, but I just mean like it makes it seem... Because we don't know yeah. at the moment where these monsters are coming from. So maybe it's outside the door. Who knows, right? So... We cut to the hallway and Xander is walking. It's nighttime. Xander's walking down the halls of Sunnydale High, walking toward the cold drink machine. Remember the cold drink machine that we saw on Halloween? It's back. And um, (laughs) he walks directly into Cameron and Cameron's like, hey, watch it. And Xander says, oh, forgive me your swim team, (laughs) Linus, which I actually liked. And Cameron calls Xander a loser and Xander snaps and he just stands up to him and says, like in the nose, Cam, good look for you. Buffy must not be on your list of privileges after all. But Xander, you put her on that list. So moving on. Uh, he says, I love when you guys mess with her. And Cameron says, you're lucky I'm hungry and then goes off to the cafeteria. But there, I liked that Xander stood up to the bully. I think that sh- demonstrates a lot of why mm-hmm. people that like Xander like Xander. Because, you know, he he stands up for what's right a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't like 
that he brought Buffy into this and that he uses, I don't know, I just feel like sometimes he uses Buffy toward other men and he has this vibe about it where he's like, you guys are always messing with Buffy and she never gives in, but I'm still in there. Like I, I have Buffy's trust or something like that. I see what you're saying. And I would add to that by just saying that Xander's attitude really demonstrates a false dichotomy that we have in our society about women, which is women are either strong or they're weak and you can't be in between. And if you're a strong woman, you're always a strong woman. So when Xander talks to Cameron and he says, I love when you mess with her, he's acknowledging what Cameron attempted to do to Buffy, but he's doing it in a way that suggests that he doesn't even like, he's not even really blaming Cameron because it's a foregone conclusion that Buffy is going to escape unscathed and she's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Newsflash, Sander, Buffy is not necessarily fine. Just because she can physically repel an attacker, an attacker does not excuse the attack itself. You know, a woman can be physically strong, but still be mentally and emotionally devastated by that kind of thing. By the same token, right? Like, you can be a strong person mentally and emotionally in general, but still have your wobbly days, right? So in our society, we create these very one-dimensional narratives about people. And we say, okay, well, Buffy's a strong woman and she can take care of herself. And therefore, I don't have to give her my sympathy or my concern, right? You don't have to cast women as vulnerable people, victims in need of protection and care, in order to care for them and be concerned when they're hurting, right? So mm-hmm. again, it just it goes back to the previous scene in the library where nobody seemed concerned about Buffy being attacked. Who the fuck cares that she can curb stomp any guy who attacks her? She's still being attacked. Yeah, and you're so right when you're like, they put them into the category of strong and weak, and Buffy obviously falls into the strong category. But from what we've seen in this entire season is that emotionally, Buffy is broken. She's yeah. lonely. She's heartbroken. She feels guilty about Jenny dying. Like, there's so much going on with Buffy. So it's it's so unfair that Xander brings her up in this way, mm-hmm. in this man versus man conversation. It's just like he did in Killed by Death, when Angel and him were like, mm, I got to Buffy first. I'm going to kill you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, stop. Stop. The women in this show deserve so much more than this. <laughs> Uh, where's Oz? Where's Oz? Where is Oz? So, anyway, whatever. Cameron's about to die. He goes into the cafeteria and he starts screaming just as Xander's choosing between grape or orange soda in the That soda was machine. so rude of Cameron. Couldn't he have waited for another second? Like, Seriously. Xander was thirsty. <laughs> I would have gotten grape. I don't know what you would have gotten, but I would have chosen Ooh, grape. I don't like either of those, but I think I'd do, I'd do orange over grape. Ooh, good. We're, we'd be friends. I mean, we wouldn't have to share. <laughs> So anyway, Xander runs into the cafeteria and finds Cameron's skin, steamy, steamy skin on the cafeteria floor. And as he's freaking out about it, he turns and there is a giant sea creature behind him. The next scene, we cut to the library and I guess the sea creature had apparently jumped out the window and <laughs> like ran away. I don't know. Um, but interesting enough, Xander is getting Cordelia to draw the creature for him from how he describes it. And Cordelia 
draws it. She sketches it out. And I want to call attention to this really amazing skill set because it's not <laughs> easy to do that. And it never shows up again. And we never see it again. But Zan- but like, I mean, Cordelia is proving herself to have a talent. That's not easy to do. You get a job from doing that with the police, you know, like <laughs> sketching criminals. Oh, my gosh. Good for her. Also, I just want to point out Xander is doing exactly what Buffy did two seeds ago, and he's getting way more sympathy and attention. Oh, Giles is like all over it. He's like, oh my god, like, explain the monster more. <laughs> so maybe Buffy just had to say, oh, it wasn't Cameron, it was some like gross creature and people would give a shit. Ugh. Basically, Xander says he was hard for him to get a good look at it because he was in shock and it all happened so quick. And Cordelia says, you ran like a woman. Man, this episode is just, it's so hard, this episode, because it's like, okay, Cordelia, you're not helping the case. (laughs) And like that internalized misogyny, that idea that like women and fear go hand in hand, it's not fair to us as women, right? And I don't, I don't like this comment. And it comes up again later. I think it's funny because it's directed at Xander and it's coming from Cordelia. And I love when Cordelia roasts Xander. Right, but... That's part of the whole, this whole episode, right? And the Cordelia-Xander dynamic is mm-hmm. Cordelia's emasculating Xander. Yeah. And his whole idea of going undercover at the swim team, right, is partly him trying to prove himself to her and prove his masculinity. And, mm. you know, I don't, I, I hate being in a position to defend Xander, right? But it, it's not on for Cordelia or anybody to emasculate Xander and and say that he's not a good enough man, right? Because if if we want to dismantle toxic masculinity, it requires us to define a better version of masculinity. And and so, you know, these little jabs and jibes of Cordelia's do not help with that. So I I have to say, like, Xander doesn't deserve that from Cordelia. Especially because Cordelia's his girlfriend. Yeah, like, she she should be sympathizing with him. This, yeah. right like yeah. yeah i think they're setting up cordelia <sighs> for this wonderful scene that comes up later with her to show okay. that like you know like right now she's not showing him much sympathy she's making fun of him for running away but i think this is all a reason for later but no i totally hear what you're saying so willow and buffy come in and they say that dodd and cameron were the, they were the top two swimmers on the swim team which means that gage aka wentworth miller is the third best swimmer so he's probably the next target and cordelia says god this is so sad we're never gonna win the state championship (laughs) she's lost all her will to cheerlead so once again it's all about cordelia and giles suggests that someone is out for revenge willow guesses that jonathan could be behind this little guy jonathan because he was bullied (laughs) just the idea that jonathan could be behind this where, where are you coming from here I don't think Jonathan could plot his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> yeah. But Buffy suggests that Willow question Jonathan and Willow gets, again, she gets really excited about this opportunity. I'm with you on this one. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just, there's a pattern here, right? So Willow gets so excited and she to, to a chance to show power over Jonathan, little guy Jonathan. And she says, really? Me? I'll crack him like an egg. And it's like such a good line for her. But Giles makes the biggest mistake of all. And the whole episode, Giles makes the, the, the biggest mistake. And he asks Buffy to watch over Gage and make sure he's okay and protect him, but do it discreetly. And we all know that Buffy is the least discreet, the least stealthy person in the Scooby gang. 
Hey, at least she doesn't wear the whole like leopard print getup that she was wearing back in the Moloch episode. Praise Moloch. Praise Moloch. To do this, the spy work. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. She's she's getting better, but this episode proves that she is far from perfect. So Wentworth Miller is hanging out in the student lounge, and of course Buffy is doing her worst at keeping uh low-key profile as she watches over him it's so obvious that she's staring at him he knows it we all know it willow is interrogating jonathan in one of the classrooms and it's very <laughs> like so you know good cop bad cop she's chosen bad cop right like interrogation room scenario it's cute yeah and she's basically saying you tried out for the swim team twice and never made it and he's like yeah i had asthma and i couldn't keep up <laughs> and um Willow's like, oh, you are being pushed around by Dodd and the others, and you wanted revenge, didn't you? Didn't you? (laughs) And Jonathan cracks like an egg, just like Willow said, and says, yes, okay, I did it. (laughs) And Willow says, so you delved into the black arts and conjured up a hell beast from the ocean's depth to wreak your vengeance. And Jonathan's like, uh, no, I snuck in yesterday and peed in the pool. And Willow's like, oh, Ew. <laughs> that that is gross. Um yeah. <laughs> didn't need to know that, Jonathan, and you suck. Yeah. <laughs> the coach is talking to Snyder about the two dead swim team mates now, and he's worried that the boys are gonna find out and he's he's like expressing concern for his boys, but we see right through it. We we don't trust you, Coach Carl. And Snyder's like, okay, well, we you guys have a tryout, right? You got tryouts coming up to fill in those places and we'll still be eligible to compete. You just need to find someone who's willing to wear a bathing suit. And Xander happened to be there during this conversation to eavesdrop. So we cut to the bronze that night and Wentworth Miller is playing a classic game of pool by himself. And you think someone this sexy, someone this fine... And on the swim team and super popular. Like, why is he there by himself? It's so weird to me. Like, he should have groupies. Everyone's going to be watching him, not just Buffy. You know what I mean? Like, it's, just, it's weird well, that he's by he himself. he was by himself at the party after Dodd left, right? Like, maybe he's just a little bit more of a loner. Impossible. He's, he's so He's too cool hot. for everybody else. That's true. That's true. Dare I say it? Dare I say it? Wentworth Miller could have been a really good vampire on this show he could have well, been a younger okay. angel if they had casted that i'm not i would never replace david Boyanis with wentworth miller but i'm saying but runner up he doesn't he doesn't look like a high school student right like none of these guys on the swim team look like they're in high school like this oh, no. is just they're so like 90s casting <laughs> yeah they all look like they're college age at yeah. least if not older it's like none of these people look like high school students oh yeah but he i mean he is hot like this guy is I like in this scene i was like sensing chemistry between him and buffy <laughs> and i was like i'm here for it i'm here I haven't seen Buffy macking on anyone. I mean, I did in the last episode a little bit. Okay. But like, I I, I miss the romance. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Down, down girl. Okay. <laughs> Listeners, please send Steph your Wentworth Miller slash Gage Buffy shipping fan fiction mm, to prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com. Yes. The more erotic, the better. And any Buffy angel fan clips that you can find. Thank you very much. So. 
Wentworth Miller knows that Buffy is watching him because she's not down low at all. She's uh, very obviously staring at him. So he goes up to her and he's like, what do you want? And uh, Buffy says, tries to get out of it by saying that she is a swim groupie. And there's nothing like the smell of chlorine on a guy. Oh, baby. You know, like doing the whole thing. And he just rolls his eyes and walks away. And she just tells him straight up, people are dying and I think you're next. So I'm kind of like watching out over you. And he says that he doesn't believe her. He calls her one twisted sister. (laughs) And he says that Cam, a.k.a. Cameron, told him about Buffy's games. And he's like, find someone else to harass Ooh, and then he goes outside and is like basically calling Buffy a psycho bitch as he leaves. He's like muttering about her. He's like, "Oh, I'm a psycho bitch! No, I can't believe she would she's, do this." But okay, so she's following. Like, this is not terrible behavior, Wentworth Miller. <laughs> like, so she's following you a little bit. Like, that's not psycho bitch behavior. You. One would be so lucky as for Buffy Summers to be following them around. And as he's muttering outside, here we are, the two men of my heart tonight. Um, (laughs) Angelus comes out and he's like, are you talking about Buffy? (laughs) Because, you know, Angel, Angelus needs to make at least one appearance in these one-off episodes. (laughs) It's just so random. It's so weird. And just the way he says it, right? And he's like, like he's clearly stalking Buffy. Yeah. Like this is his nightly routine, which I'm sure Drew loves. Yeah. Oh, you're going to stalk her again? You know. Speaking of who's being a psycho bitch here, it's not Buffy. Yeah. Um, it's it's Angela. It's Angela. Yeah. But I do. I do. I really think that. Like, this is a clever scene. It, it's very random at first, but this is a very clever scene. Yeah, they so, incorporated him nicely yeah. in this episode. So they're, like, commiserating over how much Buffy Ooh, sucks. Ooh, I hate this bitch. Ooh, these girls. Ooh. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, you're right. They're, like, having, like, a We Hate Buffy club outside of the bronze. And um, Angelus is, like, someone needs to knock her down a few notches. And Wentworth Miller is, like, down for this. He'd be like, yeah, that'd be sweet. Like, what? fuck what the fuck and um he's like do you have anyone in mind and that's when angelus attacks him and says i happen to be recruiting and he bites into wentworth miller's neck and it is sexy it's (laughs) it's hot uh it's not hot because obviously he's trying to murder him but i'm just saying these are two really good looking guys and if they're gonna mack on each other in the alleyway i'm i'm not saying no and um, you're very horny this episode. Stuff. I've been watching a lot of Outer Banks, I told you. <laughs> and it's left me in a very strange mood. So oh, yeah. that's when actually, actually, Gage shouts, Buffy, help. Like he shouts it. He says, Buffy, help. <laughs> and Buffy hears him magically and runs out after him. And as she gets up toward Angelus, he's already let go of him, of of Wentworth Miller. And he's spitting. He's spitting out the blood. And Buffy manages to kick him in the face. And what I like about this scene is that Buffy takes the clip out of her hair Mm -hmm. and it becomes a stake for her. And I don't know whether she meant it to be this way. It's very smart of her if that's the case. Oh, no, I think it has to be deliberate. Because how many women wear sharpened wooden stakes yeah but in I, hair, right? I fucking love the improv i love the idea that yeah. she was like here's a weapon like right here handy but i also look super cute and when what i love about it is that when she takes it out she also gets to do a, a beautiful little hair 
Like I know it's so with, effortless and flawless. Oh, she's like, like herbal I don't look essences. that way when I'm taking out my hair clips. No, mine like bunches up at the back and is all greasy. But like <laughs> Sarah, like Buffy takes out the stake and her hair blows in the wind and like bounces right into place. And Angela says, uh, "Why, Miss Summers, you were beautiful," which is so true. That's when he throws Wentworth Miller on top of Buffy and then runs away. But he's still spitting as he's running. And Buffy notices this, and then Wentworth Miller asks her, is that the thing that killed Cameron? And she says, that's something else. And then she says, we have a lot of something else's in this town. And as she says goodnight, and she starts to walk away, Wentworth Miller is like, hey, walk me home? (laughs) And she's like, yeah. So she walks him home because she's a gentleman. (laughs) Because she's a lady. Next day, we're at the Sunnydale High Pool, which, you know, magically appeared. And the swimmers are practicing and the coach is there. Cordy, Willow, and Buffy are watching from the stands, obviously because Buffy's still watching over him. And it's, it's this part was actually cute because all the swimmers dive into the pool and they're swimming. But Wentworth Miller like stops swimming and like looks up. And he, I think he smells something. I think that's why he stops at first. But then he looks and he sees Buffy and he waves at her. <laughs> And Buffy waves back like, hey. I love that they're eating popcorn. And this, like the clip of them eating popcorn and waving is actually a really popular gif. Like a reaction gif. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Like the idea that, I don't know whose idea it was to bring popcorn. Yeah. Right? But (laughs) the idea that these girls are coming to the swim meet with popcorn to like watch these dudes swim. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's so good. And it's just so funny. Like her, Buffy's face when she waves back, she's like, all right. Like, you know what I mean? Like this fucking guy. So clearly he's, uh, you know, warmed up to Buffy. She's not quite the psycho bitch he was calling her, you know, mere hours ago. So Buffy's telling the girls that Angelus was spitting out the blood. So there might be something in it that he didn't like. And she guesses steroids. That's uh, that's why I, I was saying the previous scene was actually very clever, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's very random for Angelus to just show up and then not be in this episode at all. But he at least serves a purpose in that scene. Yeah. Because yeah. he gives us this clue that it's not something attacking the swim team. Like, like the swim team is at the center of this mystery, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just it's attacking random people. There's something going on with the swim team. And I, I think that's really clever. I like it. Well, yeah. And it's not like, remember in like Killed by Death, for example, when Angel just shows up at the beginning for no reason yeah. and attacks them? Like, this makes more sense. I like to believe that he watched the interaction between Gage and Buffy. Oh, maybe, yeah, for maybe sure. Maybe he thinks that Buffy likes this guy and was actually hitting on him. We don't know. But that's why he went after Wentworth Miller, right? So the steroids make sense because that would explain why the team's been winning so much lately, the winning streak, their behavior changes, all that stuff. And whatever is in the blood could be attracting the creature to them. And Willow says they haven't been able to find who the creature is. And Cordelia is just finished calling Xander Chicken Little. <laughs> when Xander comes out of the locker room in a Speedo and slow motion pan up of his entire body in the Speedo and Cordelia is immediately turned on and shocked and everyone's like, oh my god, Xander. And they go up to him and Xander tells them that he's undercover. And Buffy says <laughs> he's not under much. 
And her and Willow are highly amused by this. And Cordelia is like soaking it in. And Xander says that he tried out for the team the night before and he made it. And he says he can keep an eye on the team when Buffy can't. And that makes a lot of sense. And Willow at this point says like, when you're naked <laughs> in the locker room? Because Willow is kind of gaga over Xander too, right? Yeah, I'm trying to forget that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Buffy like, even pushes her and she's like, oh, I mean, like when you're changing? <laughs> And the coach yells at Xander. He can flirt on his own time. So Xander is like, okie dokie, coachy. <laughs> and walks away. And he's trying to cover his body as he walks away. He's obviously very embarrassed that he has to wear this tiny little bathing suit. Now you know how it feels, guys. Yeah, now you know. And this scene is such the female gaze. You know what I mean? Like, girls must have found Xander attractive <laughs> in the 90s. Like, when the show was, like, airing live... I wonder if Xander or Nicholas Brennan was a team heartthrob because I know it's hard to believe you, you raise your eyebrow. I'm in disbelief, but <laughs> I, I think it's true. I think a lot of women were attracted to him and were rooting for him and Buffy or rooting for him in his relationships because they okay, probably if, found him. If cute. We have any older listeners who are attracted to guys who were the right age in the nineties. Let us know. Was Xander slash Nicholas Brennan a teenage heartthrob was he because well that would explain this scene because you know a lot of the times when we're talking about a lot of the things that the show brings up they're not afraid to objectify the men in the show because a lot of straight women are watching it so i do, i'm just like well they panned up xander's entire body they've never done that to one of the girls yet I mean, more or less, they have to Cordelia's worn a sports bra and stuff like that. But this is like a wet man in a Speedo. We haven't seen a wet girl in a bikini. And they easily could have done that because all the girls on the show are super hot. But they haven't. They did this to Xander. So I find that very interesting. And I I know that we've seen Angel shirtless. (laughs) many times you you have probably seen angel shirtless more than most people Uh, possibly you know i can neither confirm nor deny but i'm just saying (laughs) isn't it interesting that a show we point out a lot of things that are wrong with the show in terms of the way it portrays women and the Mm -hmm. culture around women here but i I think it's awesome that they are choosing to objectify the men and not the women in this sure no i agree (laughs) i mean this does come up again throughout the series, so mm. I'm, I'm totally with you. So uh, Cordelia is amazed, and she's like, I'm dating a swimmer on the Sunnydale <laughs> swim team. <laughs> Which is so funny, because it's like, this is a ruse, Cordelia. Yeah. Like, he's not actually going to swim. Yeah. But she doesn't care about that. It's just the, the status symbol, right? <laughs> she's yeah she's like taken over by lust and status (laughs) she's like oh my god so xander jumps in the pool when and that's when willow says oh i talked to jonathan and he said all he did was pee in the pool (laughs) so funny we cut back to the steam room where xander is being super chatty with all the swimmers and none of them are talking to him and we kind of see claws like start to come out of the floor like there's a vent in the floor and you see claws come up Cut to Buffy out in the hallway as Xander's coming out and he like taps her in, right? He's like, okay, Gage is still in there, you know, putting his shoes on. So Buffy's waiting for Gage to come out because she's protecting him. And that's when uh, Gage, a.k.a. Wentworth Miller, starts smelling something again. He's like, oh, is that smell? Oh, it's foulness. And uh, 
he walks around the locker room looking for the source of the smell. That's when Buffy outside hears him screaming. She runs in and Wentworth Miller is facing a sea monster. And as Buffy runs in and gets between the two, he falls back and starts screaming in pain. And this is actually really cool, I thought. This is when they reveal that the monsters are actually the swimmers themselves because Wentworth it's Miller- It's a cool reveal, yeah. but it's so gross. So disgusting. Wentworth Miller like goes in and starts like peeling back his skin and it's it's cool effects. It really is like really good like B horror movie levels. Uh, but he, he peels back his skin to reveal that underneath it all he was a sea monster. And uh, they both start attacking Buffy and Buffy fights him off for a bit but one manages to bite her on the arm which looks so painful and the coach runs in and grabs Buffy and pulls her away and the two monsters hilariously like slide <laughs> on the floor back into the vent into whatever is underneath the floor cut to the nurse's office again and Buffy's being treated Giles is there and asking how she is and the coach is there still and Giles is saying to the coach that none of the team has died which is the good news the bad news is that they're all monsters and he's <laughs> very skeptical that the coach didn't know this and the coach is pleading innocence he's like oh what <laughs> like i didn't know they yeah, were taking he, anything <laughs> he's like i thought i was just inspiring them to win and you know, again, it's like, you're so obviously in on this, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so clear. So Willow is in her computer class looking up the team's medical history online because, you, you know, that's how it goes. She says that they suffer from depression, headaches, and all these symptoms of steroid abuse. And Willow says that the boys were drugged. Buffy says they needed a win and winning equals trophies, which equals prestige for the school. You see how they've been treated. It's been this way forever. And here I am breaking my nails every day, battling the forces of evil. And my French teacher doesn't even know my name. <laughs> You're right, Buffy. It's a raw deal. It sucks. Yeah. Buffy says that Xander should find out what the boys are taking and how. And Buffy says her and Giles are going to go fishing with the trink gun. <laughs> And sure enough, Buffy and Giles are in the sewers, tripsing around, looking for these monsters, and they have the trank gun. And this reminded me that I need new rain boots. So when I listen back to this during my editing, I'm going <laughs> to remember that I need to go buy some rain boots. So in the steam room, Xander is again trying to get a reaction out of the swimmers in there and asking them, you know, trying to start a conversation. None of them are biting. So he says straight up, the steroids, where are they? Like, he just says it out loud. And oh my God, Kara, do you know who's sitting next to Xander Harris in this scene? Do you know who that is? I do not. That is Landon, a.k.a. Shane West from A Walk to Remember fame. And he's so young and baby-faced here, but he stars in A Walk to Remember with Mandy Moore and was also the love of my life when I was 14. <laughs> this is okay, the best Steph. episode of Buffy ever. <laughs> I don't even know how to deal with this. I know. I'm very thirsty tonight. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but I was just excited. I thought, oh my God, oh my God, Shane West. And you know, I saw him in Toronto one time. This is this is just a Shane West appreciation podcast <laughs> now, everybody. <laughs> this is purely, the rest of the episode is going to be me talking about Shane West. But no, Shane West, I was on King West in Toronto. If anyone lives in Toronto, I was on King West. I was walking. And the hottest guy I've ever seen in my life runs by me and i was like he looks really familiar do i know him like what do i know him it was shane west and it took every ounce in me not to chase him not to like be like where are you going because he filmed he filmed nikita here and that's where i saw him 
Oh, dear. Anyway, everyone, after this, go watch A Walk to Remember immediately. You will not regret it. Uh, anyway, he says, you're soaking in it, bud. <laughs> Aromatherapy. It's in the steam. <laughs> it's surprising how forthcoming they are about this. Yeah, they're just like, duh. <laughs> everyone knows. Yeah, and then he went off to finish up high school in a little town where he met a <laughs> preacher's anyway, daughter. Okay, sorry. <laughs> cut to the pool where the nurse is walking after the coach who's walking away from her because that's what you do and you don't ha- want to have an uncomfortable conversation like I wish I could do right now. And <laughs> hey, <laughs> she's like, Carl, this needs to stop. And she's like, this, you know, this isn't good for these children. Surprise, surprise. The coach is in on it. And so is the nurse. We are incredibly shocked that the other two new adult characters in this episode turned out to be evil. I am. (sighs) I'm blown away by this reveal. (laughs) So the coach is basically like, you know, we've come too far. That's quitter talk. And he's like, I'm not giving up on my boys. Like, all we have to do is perfect the mix and... He's like, we're so close to it. So they go down into like a utility room. It's like a yeah. basement or something. Like, I don't know. I it's said below the, pool the pool room basement is what I called it. Okay, cool. Because um, the best stuff happens in the basements in Sunnydale. <laughs> and basically the nurse is, you know, she's like hardcore, like, I still have a shred of a conscience. And the coach is like, no, I'm going to win at all costs. Yeah. You know, she's like, we've already lost three boys. And he's like, oh, they're not lost. And he turns like really super serious. And he pushes her into a convenient hole that's covered up by a grate. Mm. And she falls into the sewer, I suppose. And he's like, oh, I'm just looking after my boys because they're still part of the team and my team's hungry. You you know, my team needs to eat. So we see these creatures stalking through this water towards the nurse who's screaming and calling out for help. And the implication, of course, is that Nurse Dunn got eaten. Yes, they chewed her up good. Yeah, that sucks for her. But you know what, though? She was an accomplice and she should have known better. But I don't think she meant to turn them into monsters. I think she just meant to help them cheat to win the school championship. Yeah, she deserves jail, not being eaten. <laughs> Straight to jail. <laughs> so in the library, Xander's freaking out because he absorbed the steam. And this is why like, I did feel for this. Like I, too, would be very, very alarmed and concerned if I thought I was going to turn into one of these monsters, right? Yeah. This is when the fish jokes begin, and I really thought they were funny, because Buffy says, I wouldn't break out the tartar sauce just yet. It's not like you were exposed more than once. And, (laughs) good joke. Xander says he was in the steam room twice, at least, and three times as a fish guy. And he's like, what am I going to do? And Cordelia's sitting on the stairs of the library, super upset about this. And she says, you, 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 what about me? (laughs) And she's like, it's one thing to be dating the unpopular guy. And it's another to be dating the creature from the Blue Lagoon. (laughs) And Buffy says that she's going to find the rest of the team and they should lock them up before they get in touch with their inner halibut. (laughs) And Giles says that they need to figure out what's in the steroid gas so that they can get the hospital. There's a toxology lab in the hospital that can make an antidote. Right. So so why not just get the hospital to analyze the gas, right? Like, why does why do Giles and Willow and everybody have to do this? Is the hospital like, yeah, we'll help you, but only if you can tell us what's in the gas. Like, that's the hospital's job. They should be calling in the authorities. Absolutely. And we also know that, like... 
the hospital is all for doing weird night experiments with things that aren't related to normal medicine. So yeah, call the hospital. They don't though. Willow says she's going to go talk to the nurse and Buffy is going to go talk to the coach. So in the basement area, like we said, this weird pool basement, uh, she's found the coach and she's demanding to know what's in the steam. The coach unravels like a cheap suit. And he just gives away his evil plot. He's like, okay, I'll just tell you. So he says, um, after the fall of the Soviet Union, documents came into light detailing experiments with fish DNA in the Olympic swimmers. That's kind of where he stops because obviously he took these DNA samples and created his own little version of it. But he doesn't go on to say how he got them, uh, how the Hellmouth might have played a, a role in perfecting this little potion. Yeah. He just stops right there. And I'm like, there's so much more that you need to reveal. There, There is, but I don't think the writers wanted to bother to like try to figure out how to make this make sense. Oh, they've got bigger fish to fry? I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fish puns, fish puns. Okay, so Buffy <laughs> says, um, why? Why are you doing this? And he's like, for the win! <laughs> Because coach has got a coach, you know? And he's like, I had to make my team the best they could be to have a shot at the state championship. And Bobby says, do you understand that I don't care? <laughs> like, I don't care about any of this. It's over. There's no one left on the swim team. And I have to agree here. Like, what was the coach thinking? Because his best swimmers can no longer compete. So was this about school spirit? And winning the championship. Well, he, he didn't intend for them to turn into fish, right? Yeah. Like, that's, this is clearly an unintended side effect. We, we heard that in his argument with the nurse. Yeah. So I, I think at this point, though, he, he's fallen prey to what we call a sunk cost fallacy, which is that if you've gone a if you've gone so far, if you've spent so much money or so much time and effort in an enterprise and it's not working out, we fallible humans will believe that it's worthwhile dumping more money or time and effort into that failed enterprise in the hopes of rescuing it and getting a success out of it instead of just cutting our losses. Mm -hmm. So that's what the coach is doing here, right? Is okay. everybody else can tell that this is over and it's a failure. Yeah. But he's so invested in it and and he's got this sunk cost fallacy mindset that he's like, you know, just one more, like one more swimmer, like we'll get the mix right. Right. And, and this is the thing, right, is he's a villain and he's obviously a terrible dude, but he's too far gone at this point. You're right, because that's when he pulls out the gun <laughs> and he points it at Buffy. And I fucking love Buffy because he points it at her. And he's like, get in the hole. And Buffy like rolls her eyes. <laughs> she like rolls her eyes she's like, oh, my God. So she just like she hops down into the water. And then when she's down there. He shouts down at her and says, you think I don't care about the boys, but I do. They count on me. And that's when Buffy sees the dead nurse. So the dead nurse floats by her, which is quite horrifying. But I will also add that she's not really eaten. <laughs> and I know it's a weird complaint to have about this, but I'm just saying, like, they fed her to these three monsters. No, it's, it's legit. It's a plot hole. There's only a couple of bite marks. Mind you, I don't see the front of her. I only see the, her back. But I'm just saying, like, wouldn't they have devoured her? Whatever. I don't know how they eat. I just assume. So that's when Buffy starts to whine. Like, this came out sounding like a whine to me, which I love because she's just like, so you're just going to feed me to him? <laughs> like, like, what do you, what? And um, that's when, oh, that's when Coach Carl says, 
oh, they've already had their dinner, but boys have other needs. Like video games? I don't get it. Yeah, are they going to play Grand Theft Auto together? No, he's making a fish rape joke. Uh, Fish rape. Comment? Yeah, like, like, uh, yeah, he, he's basically saying they're going to sexually use Buffy for their pleasure. And this is, I know, what? I know, Stephanie, what? I know. It's why is monster rape a thing? Why couldn't eating her not have been good enough? Like, that's already horrible. The idea that they would attack her and eat her. Why yeah, did it like, have that's to be borderline rape? cannibalism? Sure, I don't know. It's again, it's this episode enough. is it's so weird. Why did they do that? I'm so uncomfortable. Like, uh, her being ripped to shreds or drowned or shot while she's down there, or that's bad enough. But for some reason, Buffy has to be in a situation where she's going to be raped by three fishmen. I know. It, it's it's not great. I much prefer my monster erotica to be consensual. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I'm completely serious. You think I'm joking, but it's out there and I like it. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Um I, is this why they made those slut-shaming comments earlier? Is this why so that they could put her in this situation and be like you deserved this, you whore? <laughs> I I wish I I could agree with you that that's the it's this episode is a mess. Uh, <sighs> I'm shook. I'm okay, shook. let's go on to your favorite scene of the episode, and I agree with you. It's a banging scene. This this is this saves this episode in my opinion. Like I would watch this episode <laughs> again for this scene. So Cordy and Xander are in the pool area, and they're looking for the rest of the swim team. Xander's freaking out. He's like scratching his neck because he feels like he he can feel something scaly there. And she's like, no, you're just rubbing it dry. That's what you're feeling. And Xander says, I need to go look in the mirror. And he runs away. And Cordelia is walking the length of the pool. That's when a sea monster, this is so random too. A sea monster just kind of like runs out of the locker room and jumps in the pool. And... Probably Shane. (laughs) It was not Shane. It probably was Shane. Oh no. (laughs) A swim to remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, anyway. Mandy Moore falls in love with a sea monster. You, now, I would read that. Is this the monster erotica that you're referring to? We would all read that. Um, no, we did watch that. Have you ever seen that? What's the movie? Um, it came out a few years ago. It won an Oscar. It was about a woman falling in love with a fish monster. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm more about Bigfoot and Sasquatch type stuff. <laughs> the shape of water the shape of water is about this so cordelia is not Fair on enough. like cordelia is ahead of her time so <laughs> cordelia thinks the sea monster is xander and this she gives this speech and i wrote the whole thing down because it's so good and she's just like oh my god xander it's me cordelia <laughs> And she starts, like, walking the length of the pool as the monster's swimming and talking to it. And she says, I know you can't answer me, but God, this is all my fault. You joined the swim team to impress me, which is not true. It's all about her, right? This is typical Cordelia behavior. Yeah, Cordelia forgets that he joined it to be espionage, like, to spy. <laughs> but she thinks she, he did it for her. And she says, you were so courageous and you looked really hot in your Speedos. And I want you to know that I still care about you no matter what you look like. And we can still date. 
or, or not. I mean, I understand if you want to see other fish. <laughs> I'm dying. It's like, I'll do everything I can to make your quality of life better, whether that means little bath toys or whatever. <laughs> so that's when Xander comes up behind her. He's very much still a human. And he's like, that's not me. And then they get attacked by the monster and they run. But this is a fucking hilarious scene. It's so I good. Agree. It's and, so and funny. It's- charisma carpenter like shout out to her acting chops here like we we were last episode we saw like sarah michelle geller and david boreanaz carry the episode with their acting like charisma carpenter carries this scene and it would not be nearly as funny as it is written if she hadn't played it (laughs) so straight right like there's no hint of irony in her voice no she's there's no humor yeah there's yeah there's no self-awareness right like that is what makes cordelia's character so incredibly funny and it's why we cut her a lot of slack compared to people like xander you know i I think uh in a previous hot stakes somebody um alleged that we cut cordelia slack because of pretty privilege Mm -hmm. and i reject that no if anything if if we are cutting Cordelia slack, it's because of funny privilege. Um, she's hilarious. Yeah, and, <laughs> like this is know, too good. Yeah, this is gold, good, yeah. and it's the writing is good. Yeah, but it's her delivery that seals the deal. And also because Cordelia, who like we said earlier, she's you know bullying her boyfriend and she's being mean to Xander for no reason. But that's a defense mechanism, right? Yeah. Like that's her hiding how much she cares for him. Yeah, because if she lets other people know how much she cares for him. That's a weakness that people will exploit because she came up in the popular stratum of high school, right? Yeah. So she's always like on alert for like, what will people use against me? Yeah. So everybody knows she's dating Xander. It's bad enough. <laughs> but if they knew how much she truly cared for him, yeah. well, that'd be even worse. This is the scene that actually makes me believe that Cordelia loves him. Because the very idea that even though he's a fish, she still wants to be with him. And she even alludes to the fact that he might not want to be with her. He might want to see other fish, she says. And I think that's really cool. Right. But how much of this is Cordelia also maybe trying to talk herself into feeling better, right? Like she would never say this stuff to Xander if he could talk back. Mm -hmm. She even acknowledges he can't say anything back to her. So I think maybe part of this is Cordelia being like, okay, well, he's turned into a fish, so I can say all of these things to him, and he's not going to talk back to me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Would she really carry through on this stuff? I don't know. I don't know if she has that maturity and that self-awareness. You know, I think part of part of her defensiveness is also just she is scared mm-hmm. of how she feels about Xander, and she's not mature. Like, you know, we give Xander flack for not being mature enough, mm-hmm. especially when he deals with Cordelia. But let's be honest, like Cordelia is not super mature either. And she's not doing her best at communicating with Xander either. Fair enough. But I I do feel like her feelings here are genuine. And like you said, she's expressing it because he can't reply anymore. But I, I just like this balance between her selfishness, which is very apparent most of the time. And her selflessness in this case, where she's like, I'm going to make a life for you with little bath toys. It's actually really endearing. And it shows her humanity and her human side coming out more. We're going to see more of this in Cordelia later seasons, right? But here we're Mm -hmm. getting a big glimpse in how far she's come and how much her feelings with Xander have humanized her. And, you know, unfortunately, they're towards Xander and not some other deserving man. But this is very sweet. 
I love her so much more for this moment because it's A, so funny, and B, like, she means it. And I think it's so sweet. So that's Amore. Uh, Giles is is locking the swim team in the cage and telling them to stay calm. They're going to find a cure. I'm surprised they agreed to this, but uh, to be honest. But Willow says everybody's accounted for except for Sean, a.k.a. Shane West. (laughs) No. So Xander and Cordelia come in and they say he's in the pool skinless dipping. Oh, no. And they notice that. Yeah, they notice that Buffy hasn't come back yet. So in the sewer pool, remember that Buffy is about to get gang raped by all these fish monsters. I do now. And Buffy is saying, well, great. This is just what my reputation needs, that I did it with the entire swim team. And this did not sit well with me because already the situation is testing my patience. But when she compared sex with this situation of where she will be sexually assaulted or raped they don't equate to each other okay like it's not the same situation so stop making it seem like having consensual sex with the swim team and being slut shamed for it is the same as her being raped by monsters Mm -hmm. it's not the same Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the three monsters are approaching buffy from all sides and that's when xander walks into the basement pool area and he sees the coach who is sitting up there laughing and watching like a freak like a disgusting little freak who's gonna watch this girl get raped by these what is going on what is going on again what is happening once again steph who is the true monster in this episode it's not the poor sea monsters it's the you know it's the evil white guy who just wants to win I'd watch weird, freaky, gross, fucking rape monster. <sighs> it was, this was pretty like easy access to the internet stuff. Everybody had to make their own fun. <laughs> so, so the coach, this is another little fish joke I have to bring up is because the coach asks Xander how he's feeling. And he says, dry, nothing a little lemon butter sauce wouldn't cure that made me laugh um anyway he asks uh where buffy is and the coach is like glancing at the gun like so subtly and buffy is down in the water throwing the monsters around as they attack her and xander is fighting off the coach and manages to knock him aside he reaches down through the hole with his arm and says buffy hurry give me your hand buffy does like her super jump except we've seen buffy do amazing parkour so i don't know why she Mm -hmm. couldn't have just like done this earlier but whatever they needed xander to save her well maybe she couldn't like open the grate right because if the grate opens like if it flips upwards yeah there's reasons i'm sure i'm just saying this just this reminds me of welcome to the hellmouth or the harvest where buffy and xander are escaping from the sewers right and xander is kind of like the one who pulls buffy up out of the sewer in time to avoid her getting eaten by a vampire sure and like that's the thing it's like once again it's like why couldn't this have been willow why couldn't this have been giles but i guess xander has bigger stakes in it because he might be a fish soon i don't know but anyway xander does pull her up he pulls her up and out and when they get up there, the coach hits Xander over the head with like what looks like a wrench or something. And this could have killed him. <laughs> like, looked really bad. And Buffy kicks him over and he falls into the hole. 
and Buffy tries to save him at first. She grabs his leg, but he falls because he's, you know, like you said earlier, he's a bigger man and he falls in. And then Buffy's like, here, give me your hand. But that's when the three fish monsters attack the coach and we see them starting to like maul him. And then Buffy makes a comment and she says, boy, like those boys really love their coach. And I have to ask you, Kara, are the fish monsters raping the coach? Is that what she means? I, I don't even want... I don't even... No, let's just move on. <laughs> I'm only... Have I not suffered enough I'm, for our podcast hey, this episode? Th- this is what the episode is feeding us, and we, all, we are here to critique it. <laughs> In the student lounge. In the student lounge, Xander is saying that the swim team and him are getting plasma transplants at 5 p.m., and Willow says Giles is confident, confident that this will work. Giles joins them just then and says uh, the creatures made a dash for it. And Willow wonders if that means they have to go hunt them. And Buffy says, I don't think we'll be seeing them anymore. And Giles says, well, where will they go? And Buffy just says, home. And then we cut to the ocean. <laughs> where are these like, the, where the th- there's only three. I don't know where the hell Sean is. There's only three of them in the ocean. And they're just like, you know, do, 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 do like on their way out, um, escaping into the, you know, ocean blue. And I was like, you guys, why aren't you hunting them? Because they've proven that they like to kill humans, eat humans and rape humans. So you should hunt them <laughs> for sure. But they're not going to. And we never hear from these sea monsters ever again. Thank God. The end. Well, I'm ready to erase this episode from my memory again. I'm I'm now understanding why I used to think it was so bad. <laughs> like when I watched it, I'm just like, this isn't as bad as I remember. And now talking about it with you, I'm angry again. And now I understand. It's every time I watch it, I get so angry that I forget the episode. <laughs> I just I just erase it from my mind because it's that bad. This is the thing too, like because I was watching it and I knew it was trash when I was watching it because I had so many questions around what's going on with all the rape, right? But then the Cordelia scene really was like, oh my god, this is really enjoyable for me. Yeah, like I stand by what I said. This is not a terrible episode in terms of like Buffy episodes, right? Yeah. Like I, I would say this is still better than like Teacher's Pet. It's, it's just so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. It's so triggering, you know, like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but we've already talked about that. What I'm going to take away is that Wentworth Miller, Shane West, and David Boreanaz were in the same episode, the same 42-minute episode. That is true, yes. That I got to enjoy. So <laughs> trifecta, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave I'm glad alive. that you're happy today. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, who's your hero? Oh, who is my hero? This is a hard one. I'm going to say... In my notes, I put Xander, believe it or I know. not. Believe it or not, I put Xander because I did think that him joining the swim team yeah. to do mm-hmm. spy work was actually a really good idea. And he made yeah. the team. So he clearly has a, some small well, level of wow. talent. I mean, they were looking for anybody. But he can wear a swimsuit, right? That's what he needed to be able to do. And I, I did appreciate that because a lot of the times in the media, we talk about women and our mm-hmm. insecurities with our bodies. But it was very clear that Xander also was insecure. And he showed yeah. that. And I think that's... Have you talked yourself into this? <laughs> Is it hero worthy? You know, whatever, sure. I'll give it to Xander. One one a season. All right, there you go, Xander. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining the swim team. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> like, like, yeah, that's it. I pick Xander. I feel okay. dirty about it though. I know. 
And, and I'm with you. I'm going to give it to Buffy for having to endure the attempted sexual assault and just the constant barragement of rape culture in this episode. And the fact that nobody seemed to care about it or check in with her. So Buffy, you're my girl here. Okay, Kara. Yes, you're you're so right. I don't know why I didn't choose just Buffy. You're so right. Like, fuck Xander. <laughs> I, re- I revert. I don't know. I was trying so to be nice we to him for so some We were so close, listeners. <laughs> Steph was so close to giving it to Xander. I'm sorry. I talked you out of it, Stephanie, because I know there are so many people who are sitting on the edge of their seats being like, is this Sanders' time to shine? Yeah, okay. It was very clearly, I'm having like, you know, a a brain fart because I saw so many beautiful men in this episode that I was like, should I give it to a man? Look at me, you guys. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm off my game. I got to like get my head in the game for becoming Uh, the coming part two, you know? Okay. I apologize. Maybe... Maybe some hot stakes from our listeners will help you clear your head Ugh. and get your head on right. So first off... Okay, well, this is going to help me. This is going to help me a lot uh, get my priorities straight, right? Because Elijah messaged after listening to Passion with some Xander slander of his own. So this is going to cleanse my palate. This is going to rewire me the way I, I should be. Elijah says that Xander sucks in this episode. <laughs> Even if he was kind of right about how dangerous Angel was, the I told you so was tasteless and added nothing other than compounding blame onto Buffy, saying nothing about the reason he never liked Angel having everything to do with being petty pick me. You can be right and not be a piece of shit about it. Absolutely right, Elijah. I'm right there with you. Keep the slander, Xander slander coming, everybody, especially when he deserves it. <laughs> we love being reminded of it. And for sure, in passion, his I told you so comment really grinds a lot of people's gears. So right on. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm completely with Elijah on this. Like, you know, we never want to miss a chance for Xander slander, <laughs> but keep coming in with your comments. Uh, our second hot stake is from Mike, who has some interesting behind the scenes details or connections, I guess. About the Gorches from Bad Eggs. Yes, Bad Eggs. <laughs> there we go. That master class of an episode. <laughs> so this is, as an English teacher, I would call this a text-to-text connection. You know, we always talk about making connections in English class. Uh, so Mike informs us that Lyle and Tector Gorch, which was the name of the, the two vampire brothers from Bad Eggs, who thought they were going to be the bad guys and got overshadowed <laughs> so by <funny>. a creepy... <laughs> eye monster um they were actually characters in another movie from 1969 a western called the wild bunch they were presented similarly according to mike here they um were part of a a gang of outlaws and they were kind of responsible for massacring a mexican village um so when giles gives us the gorge's backstory right he's like they massacred a village that was before they were vampires it was in 1886 And Mike says, well, in the movie, that it's actually in 1913. And another piece of information that Mike shares is that there is a Mexican character in the movie named Angel. Interesting connection. Mm. Um, Mike isn't really sure why this connection is here. Uh, There doesn't really seem to be any, any reason for it other than maybe like a writer was like, oh, hey, this is like a cool little piece of trivia, like a cool little illusion. I, I like it when writers do this kind of thing. But uh, yeah, just thanks for sharing that kind of detail, Mike. I appreciate it because I would not have gone out and looked that up myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We love when people send us these tidbits that help explain or give backstory to things. 
to characters or events. Okay, well, uh, we we've done it, Steph. We've made it. We have two more episodes to go I in the season. Dirty. <laughs> it's okay. You you can go on and have a nice long shower. <laughs> uh, don't forget to turn on that steam, and uh, you can think about David Boreanaz and Wentworth Miller and Shane West. And just like and... forget all about this episode. Uh, like you're saying, yeah, we got two big ones coming up. This is it. We're almost at the end. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's been so fun. Okay. Well, here we go. End of the season coming up. We got Becoming Part 1, Becoming Part 2, and then start sending us your thoughts for Season 2 overall. We're going to do a wrap-up episode Mm -hmm. as as we head into September, and we've got some big stuff coming for you at the beginning of Season 3, so I can't wait. Stay tuned. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. We invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.